Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Travel Talks, episode 25. We hope everyone's Mm -hmm. doing all right, doing well. Today, Alex and I will be talking to Craig and Amy from Kinging It. Yes, mate. It was an absolutely brilliant episode. We've just finished recording it. And I've got to say, some of the stories they shared were some of the best stories we've ever heard on Travel Talks. The Mongol rally, traveling around India on a rickshaw. Honestly, just too many good stories to name. So, so many. And for me, actually, it's done a few things, that Mm. chat. It's kind of reignited a little bit of a passion for travel for me. Yeah. You know, to like really plan things and think about, you know, what do I want to do? You know, where do I want to go? What activities? You know, what challenges do I want to set mm. myself? They've, they've really like, yeah, like I said, reignited it. And they were just a pleasure to talk to, weren't they? Honestly, such lovely people and a thirst for just going outside of their comfort zone and seeking as much adventure as possible. They said that if a trip doesn't scare them, they don't want to do it, which kind of sums them up as travellers. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the listeners are going to really enjoy this episode. And I, I hope as well, and I'm pretty confident in this, that they're going to feel the same sort of drive to plan some new adventures for themselves. We, you know, we set up camp and we all had beers and told stories and we were just there by the gates of hell in the middle yeah. of Turkmenistan. It's it was just, just so... yeah, the night's black, but there's this massive, huge burning hole in the ground next to you. Yeah. There may have been a, an incident where I had to be carried down the stairs in a bin bag to be put in the back of an ambulance. I need some context here. (laughs) And then he showed the photo to the woman of these two guys and she was like, (gasps) like proper shocked. And he was like, what, what? And she was like, they're like the local murderers. Like they've (gasps) killed people. What? So this guy was like staying in a year with these two guys who were like wanted for killing people. So, Craig, Amy, thank you so much for joining us on the Travel Talks podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on. Firstly, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks for having us on, lads. Appreciate it. Yeah, excited. Excited to travel again. And it seems like we might actually be able to soon, which is class. Yeah, it's nice to actually see some friendly faces as well. (laughs) And, uh, you know, be able to talk about the things we love and sort of get excited for what's to come. Absolutely, for sure. Now, I'm going to start with a pretty big question. This is always, we're going really, really heavy in this, this podcast. Okay. Just the, probably the, the hardest one to answer, which is simply how important is travel to you? Well, it's basically, without sounding too dramatic, it's like our life, isn't it? Oh, I can't that, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, we love it so much and it's opened up so many doors for us. We've met like friends for life whilst we've traveled and all of the incredible things that have happened to us have happened whilst we've been traveling. And I think without it, I just, I don't know what I'd do, to be honest. And it's been, it's been a tough year not yeah. being able to do it. Mm. It just, it's, if somebody says to me, 
I've I've never travelled. I don't really want to. I'm like, what? Mm. What? Like, I really want to. We, we do what we do to kind of show people like what is out there, and when we do it, you know, it really it really opens your eyes to to how other people live and what they don't have and what you have, and you you just take things for granted less and realize how how lucky you are as a person to have clothes on your back and you know money in the bank I suppose Mm. yeah I think it's super important but for somebody to sort of go out at least once in their life to a country a bit further than they may think you know they might they may have already been like because I used to go to Spain a lot with my parents when I was younger but like they go back every single year Mm. and now I wish I could say to them why don't we go to you know brazil or something cool you know somewhere like just culturally different that will open your eyes and and you know sort of give you a sense of feeling of how they live over there and how things are done over there it just makes you wiser as a person i think yeah we we always talk about it as getting out of your comfort zone Mm. it's just really important isn't it for for you know to to live you know we we, we can hear and do routine day in day out but Mm -hmm. you know life is for living Hundred percent. Absolutely. It's like that cliche old saying, like variety. What is it? Variety is the spice of life. life. Yeah. yeah. So if you keep doing the same thing, you're gonna have the same experiences. But if you just go somewhere brand new, take a little leap of faith. Yeah. Yeah, and it, this I was reading something the other day about like mindfulness, and they were saying if you do the same walk every day, your brain will sort of tune into it. So then you start living in your head, and and that's when sort of you know you can have problems with anxiety mm. and and mental health problems develop. But when you travel, because everything's so new, you're constantly looking at stuff and you're just living in the moment. And that's, that's the one thing I love about um, going to a brand new place. You literally, you land and we always just dump all of our stuff and just walk around. Mm. And you're just like, whoa, look at that. Look at that. Look at these people. They look completely different. And it's, it's so exciting. I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that's if, you know, the journey's been fine and I haven't fainted on <laughs> yeah. the middle of the plane. Because, <laughs> yeah, although we travel, um, I'm not very good at it. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I faint a lot. And, um, yeah, but we'll talk about that, I'm sure. <laughs> Awesome. So we couldn't get you onto the podcast without, of course, talking about kinging it. And I want to take it all the way back right now to basically when the idea for it first came about. Where did that idea come from? Well, I was, we were both kind of working. Uh, we always wanted to travel. Our first ever trip was Australia in 2008. Uh, and since then, we always wanted to sort of go off on our own adventure for a long time. Um, so we were saving a bunch of money. And at the time, we were both working in a bank. And I was sort of shooting music videos and weddings on the side, mm. but I'd always wanted to sort of do my own thing because I, I hated working for people. Um, so in the, the build up to saving, I was like, I discovered like vlogs, like daily vlogs. Mm. Uh, and I was watching a lot of Casey Neistat and mm. things like mm. that. And then I discovered travel vlogs and I was like, we should do this same. We should start our own channel uh, and just film what happens. But all the ones I was watching, they were like kind of, glossed over americanized Mm. and it was too perfect and i was like stuff definitely goes wrong all the time Mm. so we should film the highs and the lows yeah and amy was just like don't know what's happening mate i was like what no (laughs) like no he put the camera in my face and be like okay say something i'd be like oh no i don't know what to do what is this like i don't think i had the vision that craig had Mm. initially but we got there didn't we in the end Mm. It's funny hearing about the uh, the Casey Neistat reference because it always comes up. Like every time we talk mm. to him anyway, he he obviously just you know he connected with so many people in terms yeah. of his content. But um, you know, I, I was exactly the same. 
exactly the same watching mm-hmm. Casey Neistat videos was, was a real influence because to going back to the actual name kinging it what where did that come from what does it mean so it's a funny story we, we would go on our car, like our lunch break and we'd always walk to a coffee shop and we sit down and we plan the trip and where we were going to go but the whole time we were kind of thinking oh, what what should the channel be called mm. but we didn't want it to be too cliche like but like travel based anything you know with a backpack or a nomad and name mm. we wanted to kind of avoid that we wanted to encompass something that people could get involved with and sort of say themselves and do themselves and uh, we'd actually i came across this picture because we i love the concept of a crown and like being your own boss mm. and we found this picture online of this kid laying on the floor and someone had drawn a chalk crown above his head and we actually one of our first cover photos we did the same thing but we cut out maps in the shape of crowns above our heads but when i saw that i was like oh king and then we started playing with the word and then we were walking back to the office one day and I was just like kinging it. And it just came out and Amy was like, I love it. Hmm. So then as soon as we got back to the office and I was like, oh, we need like a, a mantra to go with it. And so we threw a few back and forth and then it was rule your own worlds just landed perfect. And we love, we love that as well. And then it sort of just became its own thing. We'd never heard it before. People have said that to us like years later, oh, we, you know, we heard that before. It's like an American thing, but I'd never heard that mm. anywhere. So hmm. it's original. Okay. Yeah. Original to the Brits. <laughs> it's a great name. It's yeah, a really, it really good is. name. It, it does exactly what you said. It, it you know encapsulates exactly everything what you guys are about, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah just really real, really your own will. Be your own boss. Like take your life into your hands. You know, and just start kicking it. But the cool thing about it is, like I was saying, we want people to get involved with it. People. They'll like buy a van and be like, oh, we're kinging it now. Or they'll they'll go on a <laughs> trip. A job, and like it doesn't have to do with travel at all. Yeah, it? it could be it could be anything. And that's that's what we wanted it to be, like a community of people. So when people are wearing our merch with the crowns on, they're like, oh, you know, I'm kinging it. And it's, it's so cool. It's like part of being part of a tribe. It's you know? still crazy when people like from like New Zealand and, and places and they're just like, yeah, we've got your T-shirts. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's mad. mad. It is mad. <laughs> And of course, you've been quite open, both of you, about what sparked this love of travel and spoken about the battles that you faced in your lives. Craig, you broke your neck. And of course, that must have changed your outlook on life entirely. And Amy, you beat cancer. So I wanted to ask you how directly each of those events have shaped your life and changed your life going forward. I don't really know if because I had cancer. So I had Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is sort of like a a type of blood cancer. I found a lump in my neck um, back in 2008. So I was was 17 at the time. Um, And I had, you know, eight months worth of chemotherapy. I lost all my hair. Um, And it was a crazy time to be going through it, really, because I was at that prime age. You know, I was 18, going out clubbing. And yeah, it, it was kind of. I think I was just, I, I always say I was glad it happened to me and not anybody around me because I think I was, you know, strong enough to have, have dealt with, with it. And I've got um, like a good enough personality to sort of, you know, joke about it. Yeah, it, it definitely has impacted the way I live my life now because, you know, it's that cl- cliche sort of you don't think it's going to ever happen to you. And, and I didn't, you know, at 17, you know, you, I thought only older people got cancer um so when it happened to me I was like oh my god like it can happen to anybody and, and you know you could walk out of your house and get hit by a bus tomorrow mm. so you, you really need to oh, I can't bounce. take your life in your own hands and just you're like you've got you've got one you've got one life and if you're not doing the best things with it you know it's going to pass you by really quickly and I, yeah I do think that it definitely probably did have a, an impact on me feeling like that and living like we do now yeah, same for me, really, because I think, yeah, I was just sort of young and, and traveling about and, and 
it was not long after our first trip actually because we met when amy was going through chemotherapy so it was a leaving party uh amy came to my leaving party and we that was the kind of first time we met and so we stayed in contact and then we had our you know six months later amy had the all clear she flew out to sydney and we did the east coast of australia which was incredible and then i had an around the world ticket so i I kept going on with my travels Mm. so i was like young 21 year old just like messing about doing backflips and then i missed time the backflip landed on the top of my head and broke my neck and it was it just really rocked me because i i just thought you know when you're that age you think you're invincible you think you can just go around doing whatever you want and so it it did make me take a, a real step back and yeah so then from there we always wanted to just we we knew life was for us it was going to be more than just doing a nine to five that we loathed you know and so mm. travel for us is sort of taking us down that road of you know this is what we can do and we've made it a reality which is mad this is this is going to sound like a really potentially bad question to ask but i'm just curious because of both those things happening to you at quite young ages do you feel almost reflectively that you're glad it happened at a young age and allow you to then go on and live more rather than happening in later life absolutely I, yeah. I say that all the time I'm very grateful that I was young enough to to fight it off you know mm. um yeah yeah same for me because you know when you're older and like you hit your leg and it's like 10 times more painful like when you're a kid you just run it off mm-hmm. I think if I broke my neck now I'd be like in a world of pain for a long a lot longer <laughs> because I was younger it was sort of I was in and out of hospital in 10 days you know wow um, wow 10 days yeah so that the the insurance company wouldn't let me fly out until i'd been discharged from the hospital so i ended up discharging myself with a soft neck brace on after my surgery and I was bear, like, bear in mind <laughs> now this this boy had had like drilled into his head one of those halo tractions you know the mm. metal rings around his head and they literally used a screwdriver to put it in twist it in which is crazy because he he, he he thought he would be put asleep and they were like okay mr holmes you ready and he's like what where's where's my gas yeah oh mate it was literally like a horror movie because they they were telling me all this stuff and i was just like i don't yeah fine because i i thought i'll be asleep Uh and then they wheeled me in this room and literally like stuck this thing on my head this sucker pads got a phillips screwdriver out and just started cranking the the nuts into my the bolts into my head so you can see him like in proper light, but I've got two scars on my forehead and two behind my ears where they shaved it, shaved my hair. Wow. Um, and they literally just gave me injections like to, to numb the pain. But you could, as soon as it got to the skull, you can hear it like, oh my like, scre- like um, squeaking into my skull. It was horrible. But you had to be awake, <sighs> didn't you? Yeah, they said you need to be awake in case something goes wrong. Um, so I was like, oh, brilliant. But the idea of it was... They put it on and then they hung weights off the back of the bed with a rope mm. to pull out the dislocation. Because I, I medieval just, stuff. Yeah, like. <laughs> it mm. was mad. But it felt amazing once they did that. But yeah, I was lucky. Very lucky escape. That is that's crazy. Okay, so so moving forward a little bit from there, talking about your your YouTube success, the videos you, you make. Now it's, it's a world that I can very much relate to because travel YouTube was pretty much my full time job for a few years, uh, and I'm always really really interested to hear about how people started getting into that and you know the reasons why they started putting their travels online yeah like i was saying we i discovered travel vlogs before we set off um and it was when the drones started becoming commercial so mm-hmm. the the dji phantom 2 came out and you could clip a gopro to it mm. and i said to amy I was like if we get this drone it's going to be a game changer because we can start a travel channel and no one's going to have a drone and we were some of the first videos to post 
you know, with a drone. And people are like, how did you get that shot? Did mm. you throw your camera in the air? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So, yeah, we just, I, I knew we wanted to do it. And I knew, like, further down the line, because I'd seen people being successful on YouTube, I knew that it could sort of grow into a career if we did it right. It's been a, it's been a wild ride the last six years to get to where we're at now. But yeah, you know, originally it was to make fun videos, you know, for our family and friends to watch. And we didn't know how it was going to go down online, but it went really well. Like the first bunch of videos we posted, they, they had like a couple of hundred thousand views each. Wow. wow. Um, the Southeast Asia stuff, because um, there wasn't a great deal of travel bloggers. Now there's like, you know, it's we're inundated. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was, we, we started doing one video per country. And then when we ran out of money, we got to New Zealand and we had working visas because we knew we'd eventually end up working. So we decided to start weekly vlogs then. That's mm -hmm. when we sort of committed to a regular thing because people were like, we can't wait for the next videos. So we filmed everything from like trying to get jobs to trying to get a house. We were um, broke. Like yeah, we had we no were... money. We were in New Zealand <laughs> thinking, what? how do we live? We were like cleaning gutters. And... Yeah, we, we made it to this little <laughs> town called Titarangi. Um, and I thought, oh, well, we'll just, you know, introduce ourselves on their Facebook page and see if anybody's got any sort of little household chores they need doing that we can make a bit of money. Mm. Yeah, we ended up like chopping wood and cleaning gutters. And we actually ended up finding a couple um, off that Facebook page and we lived in their basement for a couple of months, <laughs> didn't we? Yeah. So, yeah, all of that, I think people just were really invested in like what was going to happen because we, we were just making it up as we were going along. We yeah. didn't have a clue what mm. we were doing. And I think that was the point. You know, we, we were telling everyone how it was. Mm. Listen, we've got no money. We need to do this. <laughs> and people were just like, brilliant. Like, <laughs> yeah. Bring us along. We'd love so, to see. Someone actually said the other day, they were like, we liked you, we liked you way more when you were when broke. You were poor. It's <laughs> 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 like, always the same. <laughs> You're like we work really hard. Let us let us I enjoy know, it, please. Yeah. <laughs> so I've loved hearing you speak about the fact that you started off with these big dreams, but ultimately at the beginning of the idea, it's just an idea, and there's a lot of hustle and a lot of graft that goes into that stage. And at the time, you're not earning money from it. I wanted to find out: was there a tipping point? Was there a, a eureka moment where you knew, okay, we can actually start to make some money from this? And I wondered whether it was the viral video of you getting slapped in the face by a fish. <laughs> ding 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 <laughs> 10 points to Alex nice. <laughs> yeah no but I think just before that when we were in uh, towards the end of our stay in Queenstown in uh, we started uh, reaching out to companies and asking for freebies mm. in exchange to be featured on the vlogs we're ballsy Craig yeah. I, think we, I think we might have had a thousand subscribers and we were like yeah let's do this and because it was so new people didn't have a clue what was going on so they were like uh, yeah okay mm. so we were getting like boat rides and helicopter rides and like, they're so expensive down there yeah. it was incredible we were literally so broke like, we were living in this mansion paying stupid rent that's where all of our money went <laughs> and we were so poor we were eating noodles and like if we were feeling a little bit wretched <laughs> We'd mix in a little egg with a protein. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you know, pre-vegan and all that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was when we started realizing, oh, well, we can do things in exchange for, for content, which mm -hmm. was incredible. But then, yeah, when the when the viral fish video went off, that's when we kind of got put on the map and, and companies started reaching out to us. And we got our first proper paid gig after that, which was um, we worked with all the Welsh councils and we did a road trip and, did all this amazing stuff, got put up, everything was paid for, and we got paid on top. And we're like, holy shit, this mm. is actually a, a job. 
just for those listeners who don't know about this fish video we're speaking about, would you be able to explain a little bit about what it was like? <laughs> I'm sure they've seen it, to be honest. It's, yeah, it's just, you know. It's it, go, it did go comedy. proper viral, which is mad. Yeah, so Craig was like, got this idea. I was like, oh, bloody hell, here we go. She's like, um, there was a storm about to come, Storm Gertrude, and she was trending on Twitter. Um, and we live... Um, in a town called Barry, which is really close to the beach, you've got Barry Island. So when you walk along the promenade, the when the when there's a storm, the the sea splashes up against it and it comes over, um, over the promenade, so you'll get drenched. Um, and Craig was like, "Well, let's just have that happen, and then I'll just throw a fish at you." <laughs> I was like, oh, "Righto." Um, and that's it. That's essentially what we did. We went down. Craig timed the wave, so the wave was all real, mm. but we had bought a fish from Morrison's for about seven quid. Um, <laughs> Best seven quid we ever spent. And he threw it, and it hit me, and it bloody hurt. But I think people caught on to it because um, they thought I was a, a weather reporter. Mm. And, <laughs> and and I think the whole, was it real, was it fake, was what really made it go viral mm. because yeah. there was so much question around it. So just I want to kind of follow on from that, just where you were talking about the location of that video and being from Barry and like having that experience. So obviously you're both Welsh, yeah. Um, yeah. Where you, but you both grew up there. Uh, for us, Alex and I look at Wales as a place to go mm. on, a, on a holiday, you know, beautiful scenery, nice. lovely coastline, Snowdonia, mountains galore, mm-hmm. etc. What was it like growing up in Wales? Yeah, it was right. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's great. I think I've got a thing where... I, I love being by the coast wherever we are. Mm. So if we're, wherever away, if I'm by the sea, I feel much calmer. Like I do like cities, but I, I couldn't ever be in a city for a long time. But yeah, growing up in Wales, it was great because, you know, we could surf down the coast and you've always got the beaches there. And yeah, there's just so much to do. We didn't really explore too much of the whole of Wales when we, we were growing up. When you're younger, do you? As, no. soon, as soon as we're able to travel, we're like, right. Southeast Asia because it's cheap, yeah. and then people in Southeast Asia and, and backpackers from all, all over the world are like, "What's Wales like?" And we're like, "I'm bloody." I used to, I used to say this is what I used to say. <laughs> I used to be like, it's, "Wales is shit." Wales is shit. Don't yeah. bother coming. Literally, that's what we used to say. Yeah. But now I'm like, it's one of the best places ever. We we literally mm. made a point when we came home from a big trip to do Wales, and we you know we've worked um, extensively with Visit Wales now because we're so patriotic mm. when we take a trip in Wales. We're like, oh. I get so beautiful. Like, why? Yeah. Why haven't we done this before? Or, you know, there, there's so many spots here that are just incredible, and some of the best beaches in the world. So, yeah, we'll never talk badly of Wales again. <laughs> so, just um, following on from your your YouTube stuff, is I had a question that I wanted to ask you based on some of my own experiences, which was, I got to a point where I started to forget the reasons why I love travel when I was constantly making videos about it, mm. and I started focusing really really did like really hardly on the videos and sometimes kind of the pressure to upload and the desire to want it to do as well as possible kind of made me forget about the moment that I was living mm. have you had that experience at all going on your travel 100% mate Absolutely, yeah. yeah it's a trap you fall into and, and that's a trap that we fell into and didn't realize it for a long time and we were just sort of going through the motions of going to places to film them um, I think we actually went to the Philippines because we thought it would do well. Yeah, like it, we loved it's it. It's gone but... that far that it actually chose our destination for mm. us. Yeah, which we never set out for the, it to do, did we? No, um, for the love. But I think yeah, we got a bit lost in the middle of it all because I think we when we started our trip was right. Let's go away, and we ended up trying to find jobs in New Zealand, and it was our first proper travel experience. Then it sort of formed into oh, we're here and we're at this waterfall and. 
I never take that for granted, but I think we did at that time. And it was all just about the videos. Mm-hmm. And we, we were really lost. And it was only until we started doing the challenges and we really got the, the love for travel and excite, you know, got that excitement back. And, and that and, was just two years ago. That That's when our... Well, three now. Three, oh, three. God, yeah. yeah. That's literally when our channel started, I would say. Yeah. Like properly us and who we are. Because, yeah, that it's so it's still really hard to take take a step back and, and be like, right, look at this place and be there. Do you know what I mean? Without being like, oh, that's, that would be a good shot. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's a balance, isn't it? Because you're thinking, mm. well, we're, we're, you know, I'm here to, to do something which is going to enable to me to do it again in the future. Yeah, but yeah. I also want to make sure I'm enjoying it. And I've, I've told Alex in the past, mm. there's one particular uh, experience that I had where I was doing a, a paragliding trip. Okay, nice. And I was like, literally in the air, floating in the air, paragliding mm-hmm. over Slovenia. And I had six cameras all going <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> I had like two 360 cameras, GoPros, my DSLR, uh-huh. like all this. I was like, I'll get so many angles. It'll be great. <laughs> as soon as I, la- I landed, I had zero memory of what I'd just done. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. any at all. And that That's was like mad. a real turning point for me. So mm-hmm. it's, it's actually, um, it's quite refreshing to hear people have a, a similar experience. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've- spoken to a loads of friends we've got a lot of like um influencer friends and friends in the same kind of sector as us and they've all done it we all do it like yeah it's crazy and i wanted to of course mention the fact that en route to the mongol rally which we're going to touch on uh, in a little bit later you won travel influencers of the year in 2018 so oh, massive, oh, massive yeah. award. <laughs> so so cool and it must have just validated what you were doing in made you appreciate that yeah people love what we're doing and it's got that validation how did that make you feel to win that award oh that was crazy we were gobsmacked it was unbelievable i would never have gone if i didn't know we were going to win i swear (laughs) (laughs) it was it was terrifying like we were up against massive people and i was just there was like no thought in my head that we were going to win i was just Mm. like i'll be a lovely day to go to go out on it honestly well that's what i thought but when we got there and we met sort of a few of the people who were behind the magazine and, and a few of the judges and stuff. And they were like, oh, you're king in it. And they were just sort of giving me this weird eye. And I was we like, five. we were like, okay. Yeah, like a good one, you know? They were almost like, they might as well have just been winking at us. So I was like, I said to Amy, I was like, I got a strange feeling we might we might actually win this like, like, when we, we got there. There's so and so on the on the board, you know, against <laughs> us. I'm like, there's no way. Because part of the, the winning was like, your fans had to vote for you to win. Mm, yeah. And obviously we, we had had a lot less than anybody else we were up against. Yeah, so it was like audience uh, votes and then there was like a panel as well. Mm-hmm. But we were so convinced that we weren't going to win that we sat right up in the balcony in the back. Yeah, we buggered off. So, <laughs> when, they, so when, they said, when they said, oh, you won, we literally had to do like a five-minute walk we to get won. to the stage. We won, we had to run. <laughs> oh, oh. Wait a minute, one sec. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're up here. <laughs> yeah that was crazy it was crazy but it was bloody brilliant Mm. like i i couldn't believe it and we we had had this little trophy thing we were so proud of it we took it everywhere for like the next two weeks just like oh in the coffee shop like i won an award (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was fantastic we we loved it i think this is going to be a really hard question for you guys to answer considering how much you've done in the past (laughs) sort of six seven years or so but do you have a favorite moment since starting kinging it I think I think one of mine was uh, crossing the finish line at the, the Mongol Rally. You can't say yeah. that. <laughs> Did I steal the <laughs> <one? laughs> Yeah, just because if if anybody doesn't know what we're on about, we we drove a car from from the UK to Russia. It was like twelve thousand miles. Took us like seventy two days. But the best part about 
crossing that finish finish line was that it was me, Amy, and Jess. We tried to push the car because it it just it was ended really badly. Yeah, we no, tried to no push, <laughs> yeah. push the car onto the finish line up a ramp, and we couldn't do it. But our whole like squad of people ran in and and helped us push the car up, and it was just like a a, a symbol of how the whole rally went it was us failing and our mates jumping in and helping, helping us, us and that's how it just went like day after day but it was just an incredible journey and to get there and, and finish with such amazing people it was one of the best things ever and we were we were so emotionally drained yeah and, and mm-hmm. we're so emotional like i was so emotional finishing that it was just mad wasn't it it just it's, it's so strange to think that anybody can do that trip because mm-hmm. it's so mad you're like there should be like a big disclaimer on it it, it <laughs> is and it isn't though it, it's mad but it's like because when we first signed up to it we were like holy shit what are, what have we signed up for you know yeah but because we were thinking like we told our parents we were going to iran and they were just like oh my god mm-hmm. Iran was like one of the safest places we went and the people were yeah. so friendly. So amazing. But, you know, if, you, if you're doing it day by day, it's not that mad. But as a whole, if you look at what we did, you're like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. You're mental. I wouldn't even know where to start with, with the organiza- <laughs> organizing that and logistics. Could, could, would you mind just doing a, little, a bit more for people that don't know about what the Mongo Rally is? Just kind of a bit more of an explanation as to, you know, what it is on a whole. All right. So the Mongo Rally um, is basically a, a charity race across the world. So you have to have a car that's under £500 and it can't be any more than a 1.2 litre, whatever the car is. So we actually took a um, a 1.2 litre Fiat Panda called Amazing. Ferrandi. <laughs> and uh, you have to raise five at least 500 pounds for charity we yeah, we ended up raising like five grand i think that yes. was our our budget yeah so um so yeah we you choose your route like you've got no help at all like the adventurists put the put it on they charge you a fee for like a a, a party at the beginning a party at the end and you it's a free-for-all you go whatever way you want it's not really a race mm. obviously you can choose to just head up and go straight across Russia and go to the finish line. But who does that? That's boring. So we actually went through, how many countries did we do? Uh, I think it was like 19, maybe. Was it, was it? Wow. Wow. But yeah. yeah, we did places like Turkmenistan and Uzbekistan. Mm, nice. We just never knew were on the world. Like, <laughs> So it was, a, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, and we did like the Pamir Highway. So like at one point we were driving through was it Kyrgyzstan I forget there's so many countries I think it was Kyrgyzstan and there's like a huge river dividing you and Afghanistan and there's people across in Afghanistan you're just waving Waving. to them yeah and like oh it was just amazing like we saw so many crazy things and yeah we we had to have a guide going through Iran so called Rashad shout out to Rashad I know he's (laughs) he was a (laughs) legend he just made the whole trip so incredible yeah yeah just we just went through some crazy countries, didn't we? And it was so many twists and turns, like people's cars broke down, because the whole point of it is your car breaks down and you have to go to a garage. So you, you use you know, like you, the local mechanics. Yeah, and stuff. so you've got more of interacting with the locals. So mm-hmm. the amount of garages we went to with Veranda Vegas, and she started out silver when we bought her, but we wrapped her <laughs> so that she was like orange camo. Yeah. And then we strapped a, a mechanical dinosaur to the roof as well. And our, our roof, um, box was literally a drawer from under my bed that we sprayed it's black like ikea drawer <laughs> Amazing. It was a proper, like ratchet setup um and i don't know how it carried all of our stuff in that car but the only reason amy wanted it was because it had aircon oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> a must, a must. <laughs> it actually was though everyone, everyone hated us yeah. 
a must. Yeah, I loved watching the series. I watched the whole documentary across two days, just binged it. Um, and one thing that really stood out to me from the whole documentary, and you spoke about it earlier, was your relationship with the country of Iran. Mm-hmm. Because for me watching it, it's a country which I've never even considered to go to. But yeah. the people in the video were so friendly. You seem to get on with everyone and have such an amazing time. So for everyone listening, what is Iran really like? Because we hear so much in the media that describes Mm -hmm. it one way, but you can surely paint a different picture. Yeah, for sure. Like when we first got there, because we were crossing border after border, me and Jess knew that as a woman, you have to wear um, a headscarf, you have to wear a hijab. Um, So when we went up to the border, the first thing the guy said was, where is your hijab? And I was like, oh, shit this has to happen now mm. so uh, you know we were a bit like oh you know we're independent women why have we got to wear one of these buttons <laughs> we never say that to his face um but yeah so i was like okay they're very strict here what's this going to be like you know and as you say you know the media paints a very different picture than what it is so as soon as we got in obviously we stood out like a sore thumb with a dinosaur mm. on the roof and <laughs> people were just waving from their cars Somebody had even made like a, a little sign out of paper saying, welcome to Iran. They put it up against their, their window when they were driving mm. past. People with motorbikes and stuff would just be waving it into the cars and kids would like run alongside the cars. And we, we felt like celebrities, didn't we? It was, mm. I've never experienced that in a country before. Such the, a welcome. the only thing that came close was the Philippines because they're very friendly in mm-hmm. the rural v- villages in the Philippines. If you drive a scooter around, everybody waves. And they want to touch you, don't they? Yeah, but in Iran, it was like, because they're, they're probably not as used to seeing, you know, Westerners, especially, you know, coming across the border when you enter those towns that barely see any tourism Mm -hmm. and they were fascinated to see us and they were yeah they were just so welcoming at one point we had um a few days into the trip this journalist pulled us over and she was just like i'm so proud of you for coming to my country and she wanted to invite this was like 12 of us she wanted to invite us all back to her house and and cook us dinner yeah and she like she was so glad that we were there and she gave us like so much bread we were like draping this bread over our arms yeah (laughs) it was just incredible like i've never we've never experienced that before no and and i love how sort of proud of their country they are like everybody you meet is like thank you for coming to iran like thank Mm. you aren't they and i just love that yeah it was mad again another probably difficult one to answer considering you did 19 countries and you know 10,000 odd miles but do you have a a favorite story or a most memorable story from your time on the rally most memorable um maybe when we decapitated our uh, dinosaur on the roof (laughs) (laughs) so um andre 2000 bc rest in peace (laughs) yeah so i think we were we were vegan, uh, vegan on the uh, Mongol rally, so we had to go to you know all these different corners of the world to try and find a a vegan restaurant. And one of them was under this quite low bridge. And somehow we'd managed to just go through it to get to the restaurant. But then coming back, we were like, we're not going to make it under that. And yeah, some small communications uh, went wrong, and we ended up <laughs> just like, stuck under this bridge in Turkey. Well. We just smashed into it basically. The whole, <laughs> the whole drawer, my bed, my drawer from under my bed got ruined. The noise, like... and the, his head got stuck. And so the worst part was we got stuck behind so many cars, and all these Turkish men were like getting out and like aggressively smoking. Oh, no. Yeah, like just... it was like a, it wasn't a main road, but it was a busy road. Yeah, mm. and so this guy ended up getting on top of the car, booting the dinosaur's head until it went under the big yeah. girder. Oh, and then we got out but yeah he used to roar he roared in the beginning and he didn't roar after that yeah, he lost <laughs> his roar <Yeah. laughs> 
But an, another one for, for me was um, Turkmenistan was just the most bizarre place we've ever been. So like was, describe that, like what is it? So Turkmenistan is like super hard to get into. There's quite, there's quite a few Russian tourists that go there, but because of the rally, they sort of, they've got this thing where they let you have a visa because you're doing the Mongol rally and you're sort of passing through. through. But mm. we only had like six days or something there. But the main city, uh, Ashgabat, is literally just like a marble wonderland with nobody in it. So there's wow. all these buildings that are like beautiful, so vast and beautiful. Pristine. There's like um, gardeners who are li literally cutting the blades of grass with scissors to make wow. it perfect. Uh, and all these buildings that are unoccupied. Yeah. So apparently the, the one of the previous dictators was obsessed with Guinness World Records. So he started building like the world's biggest rocket-shaped building the world's biggest star-shaped <laughs> building. So mm -hmm. there's all these immaculate buildings and you're just driving around on like five-lane motorways with no cars Nobody on. Nobody there. And we're just driving around in our little camouflage Fiat Panda yeah, we in went, Turkmenistan. We went to this, like, I wouldn't say it was a theme park. It was like a small place with like a Ferris wheel. No, no, that was the world's largest indoor Ferris wheel. <laughs> Guinness World wheel. Record. So we went and then we kind of went and was like, hello, like, is it anybody here? <laughs> And then a few people popped their heads out, but they had to start the whole thing just so five of us could get on it. It was so weird. It was, it was <laughs> such an eerie place. It felt like you were on like the set of a film in America mm. where they'd shut the whole city down. Yeah. And they gave us a tracker before we went in. We had to keep it plugged in so they knew where we were going. Yeah. You had wow. to stick to your route. In the car, yeah. And like five minutes into being in Turkmenistan, we pulled over just to wait for Our convoy. the rest of the convoy. And literally a government car pulled up and was like, you need to keep going. Move on. And wow. they were like, don't take any photos for the first kilometers. And you have to, first five kilometers, and you have to just drive into the city. Yeah. It was mad. It was really crazy. That's bizarre. Yeah. Also there, they have the Devaza Crater, which is called the, oh gate, God, how the Gates of Hell. Oh, God. How could we forget that? Which was mad. So, Mm -hmm. it's just, it basically it used to be like a gas reserve uh, and it started leaking so they decided we'll light this on fire and burn the gas away and like 40 years later it's still going yeah but it looks Jeez. like an asteroid has just hit this place from from space yeah it's, um, it's a desert in it yeah like it took us so long to get in because <laughs> the cars would just stop and get you know Stuck, stuck in, in in the sand so yeah there's loads of locals that come around and try and help you and it's a good day of fun but stressful at the same time yeah so mm -hmm. it was like 14 hours of just getting stuck and getting pushed and getting stuck but everyone's in it together mm -hmm. so then when we got there we you know we set up camp and we all had beers and told stories and we were just there by the gates of hell in the military yeah. Turkmenistan it it's was just, just so yeah the night's black but there's this massive huge burning hole in the ground next to you yeah it's wow. incredible super cool amazing and loads of people will be hearing about the mongol rally for the first time and i imagine you would have got people dreaming about maybe doing it in the future so Definitely. for those people what are your words of wisdom as people who've completed it for people who are going to do it in the future are you boys thinking about doing it are you i've know, always been excited oh please do it you honestly it is the trip of a lifetime. So, does you can take six cameras with you, mate? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a, I've got a guy though who did it in an electric car a few years ago. And like, can you imagine? Actually, I say a few years ago. I think it was like eight years ago, where there was like no oh, charging hey. infrastructure. That's whatsoever. amazing. Um, he's he, he's got a career out of it. Actually, just doing like electric road trip journeys, basically. Really? Yeah. And uh, so, uh, having heard that story and seeing this, your videos from it, uh, it has kind of reignited the interest in doing it again. 
definitely. Oh, you guys would love it, honestly. But words of wisdom, yeah, it, it's it'll be the the craziest trip you ever do, uh, and I think just choosing the right team is, is mm. a good plan. Uh, and just ending up, you know, you can get lucky or unlucky, but the convoy we had, they're just friends for life, you know. But I think everyone who's on that journey is is in the same headspace. They want mm. a bit of adventure. They want to see the world. They're open-minded. But it's just the best trip we've ever done. We talk about it all the time. All the time. It's like, well, that's a running joke on our channel now because we go, <laughs> so on the Mongo Rally, and everyone goes, oh, did you do the Mongo Rally? <laughs> 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 but yeah, if, you, if anyone's thinking about doing it, I would just say 100%, just give it a go. Like it, it could be pricey, but just save up for it and just have the best time of your life. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So you just said there that that was probably the mm. best trip you've ever done. But okay, aside from the Mongo Rally, where what mm. other trips are we talking about in terms of the best of you you've experienced? One word: India. India. <laughs> nice. So, so most people like go to India and they backpack it, and it's mad, and they're like India's mental. But we decided to because because basically the adventurists they they put on these events. One of them is the rickshaw run. But it costs with them, it's like 1800 quid uh, and it's only two weeks uh, and you don't get to keep the rickshaw. So we're mm. like, well, we'll just go ourselves and we'll try and buy one on the streets and we'll, nice. we'll spend two, two months in India. So that's what we did. So we, we flew into New Delhi, attempted to buy a rickshaw, which took three weeks. Oh, my God. <laughs> but- During this time, we've been like, uh, somebody, we saw somebody get robbed. We were part of a funeral. We went to a wrestling match. And just, yeah, being scammed multiple p- times a day. Ended up in a brothel as well. We without up, knowing yeah. It. yeah, it's a good, it's a good story. <laughs> yeah, but that was, wow. that was before we, we got the rickshaw. So it turns out you can't buy 
uh, a rickshaw off the streets in Delhi. Not um, in Delhi. You can do it in the south, but we didn't know mm. that. Yes. So we ended up buying one from like a showroom um, and it cost us two grand. So it was 200 pound extra than what we would have paid. <laughs> but then we paid, then we had six weeks then to just drive <laughs> through India on okay. our own. Yeah, so that was a challenge. We gave ourselves two months to get from the north to the south of India in our very own rickshaw. Yeah, Amazing. so because we'd lost the three weeks in the beginning, we had to make up time. So we were just doing these massive drives in a rickshaw, just bouncing down these dusty roads, <laughs> like next to 18-wheel trucks. And... Oh, and yeah, there's no rules on the road it's over there. I don't know if you guys mad. have been, but <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's insane what we did. Like mm. people, um, there's a guy actually just emailed. He, he's in India now and he was like, I do not understand how you did it because <laughs> we, we shouldn't be here really oh man we <laughs> had a couple of so close dangerous hairy moments there like i remember slamming the brakes on at one point because this truck just pulled out in front of us i was going 40 miles an hour which is like top speed mm. and it's going <laughs> <laughs> and this truck pulled out and i just slammed the brakes on we both like ah like screaming sliding towards it but yeah they don't care because it was like selfie central and they would literally ram you off the road just to get a selfie which which was really dangerous but it was so common <laughs> wow the short the small experience i've had of driving in countries like that in a not in a rickshaw though you know i can't imagine what that's like you must be so exposed as well yeah yeah it's so crazy but there's so many on the road it's oh, i i didn't really want to drive because it was so terrifying so craig did a lot of the driving mm. but yeah it's just it's just it's the best way to see it though you know you get the smells you get the wind you get everything and it is one of the best ways you can actually see a country i think i think it, what was so cool about it is because the the auto rickshaw is so iconic to india that the the guys who drive them the i was calling them the rickshaw boys, rickshaw boys. i had like a really good connection with the rickshaw boys so when I, when I pull up next to one of them like, and they'd be like hey and i'd be like <laughs> they put their chest and put my chest and, it's just a good time. A lot of people thought we'd actually stolen the rickshaw, though. They're like, what is happening here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We literally go, what? And just look at us. And, and they you just robbed it. it from a taxi driver. Yeah. 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 Wow. But yeah, we ended up in some mad situations because of the rickshaw. Like, I crashed into a pole at one point. And, um, <laughs> and then this rickshaw driver jumped in and helped us get, get us out because it was like a really busy street. And then he drove us to his tea shop and we met his whole family and he made us tea. And then he showed us like this workshop where they made shoes and it was, just, we ended up in so many cool situations because of that. And I think if we were backpacking, it wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. But I think mm. we had a lot of respect from the locals because of what we were doing. They were just like, you're yeah. crazy. But, the, but the, I think the craziest mm. thing we came across was we were just sort of bumbling around uh, in the night. Was it Mumbai where the festival? Mm. Oh yeah. In Mumbai, yeah, was... which is a fantastic place to go to if you ever get the chance. Mm. And I think we just heard a load of noises and I was like desperate to be invited to an Indian wedding. <laughs> we heard all this, uh, all this palaver happening in the street over. And I was like, it's a wedding, Craig, let's go. And um, <laughs> when we got there, it was like, there was these drums banging, men with all their tops off. There was like sweat flying everywhere. And I was like, what on earth? Um, and the, these guys were like, come, come, come. So we pulled over the rickshaw um, and they sort of like, grabbed us by the shoulders and, and put us well in there right into the middle of the circle um and it, it happened to be a um like a festival that was going on and there was like younger boys there with knives and they were slapping themselves on the backs and there was blood flying everywhere and one of these boys came through 
and he had had knives and he was like bulging his eyes out using these <laughs> knives. Like big machetes. Yeah, massive things. So and, it, it turned out it was a, was it a Sufi? Uh, Sufi God. Sufi festival um where they kind of taken on the the, the possessive of the body of the, of the dead yeah so there was like it was just a, a sensory overload of noise and yeah, banging testosterone on and and the, there was like young like eight-year-old kids who the guy would like put a coconut on his head and smash it open with a baseball bat it was, it was so <laughs> crazy we were like what are we watching <laughs> and, and we're there just like oh my god and everyone else is just kind of watching like it's normal they're kind of having a good time you know just sort of dancing about and <laughs> they came around with like like these rods that had pierced their tongues and people were putting money on like it was so paper unhygienic money. it was crazy <laughs> <laughs> he's asking for exceptions only <laughs> we yeah. couldn't believe it though it's incredible that is fascinating yeah it's, it's just testament as well to that what that kind of sentiment that we said earlier, which was the idea of getting out of your comfort zone. Because if you don't, mm. you never see those things. Exactly, yeah. I know. And that was like one of those things that was totally unplanned. And another unplanned when we ended up in this another street festival is all these elephants there and like people with uh, uh, banging drums again. And it was just me and Amy. Do you know what I mean? There was no tourists there. There was it wasn't an organized and no, thing. And they were like, so happy to see us. And they were like, come, come, follow me, follow me. And took us right into the center of things and showed us all around. And they were just so pleased and proud to show us everything that was happening. And there was, you know, there was two massive elephants. They were absolutely huge. We couldn't believe it. Yeah. Just walk into a temple. Mm. It, was, it was absolutely incredible. Yeah, I think you're right, mate. It's, it's that comfort zone. I think what what we always say, like whenever we're going to do a challenge, it's like, unless it scares the shit out of us, then we, we don't want to do it. Get really excited. So, because they're just the best trips, you know, you, you need that. Mm. I think we, we kind of seek that, don't we? We do now, yeah. Because I think normal vlogging, I say normal vlogging, you go into a country showing somebody around, it got a bit tedious and a bit boring and we were like we need something more we yeah. need like we're not pushing ourselves enough by doing this so i think that's when the challenges came around we were like this is what king in it is about we love this mm. let's take mm. our cha channel more down the sort of challenge route now and, and then it, and it writes itself then as well because you, you end up in these situations mm. that aren't planned instead of like going oh we'll go to a waterfall today or whatever mm -hmm. you end up like seeing guys poking their eyes out with swords instead yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay let's follow on from that challenge thread then and we want to talk about something else and that is custard, custard oh. <laughs> we need to talk about it because I, I don't know about you alex but over the last few years i've become a little bit obsessed with like van bus life yes yeah uh, not that i have one just the uh, just the idea of it, you know, like yeah. loads of coffee table books. I'm constantly checking things like Auto Trader for like new deals <laughs> or conversion opportunities, that sort of thing. Amazing. So, yeah, we're really keen to know what is it that made you want to kind of get involved in that living in a van life? And, and then what is that? When was that moment where you made the decision and got custard? I think so. We, we did the Mongol Valley, then we did India. Uh, and then shortly after that, we were just like, well, what can we do next? And we, always wanted to buy a van and do it out Ro road trips are our favorite i think yeah first and foremost we love being in control we love being able to mm. go where we want to go on our terms you know so i think yeah we'd had veranda babes and chapati is what we called our rickshaw <laughs> so i think the next sort of level up was a bus <laughs> yeah. well i wanted a van but amy was like no we're getting a bus I was like do you know where we are if we're going to be king in it we're going to be getting a bus <laughs> so we ended up getting the bus which we bought or bidded on ebay without seeing it sorry dad <laughs> wow bold yeah don't do that <laughs> not, not, recommended. not recommended but the, the the way that came around was 
we'd actually pitched an idea to Eurotunnel because we'd done a few bits with them. And I think at the time we were kind of broke. So we like pitched in this idea and we were like, we want to go around Europe uh, in a van that we've built out and go to the craziest festivals that we can find. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, wicked, get the van, but just don't go to the festivals. We'll make an itinerary. We're like, happy days. That'll do. <laughs> so they, we like agreed a budget. And so, and we were like, yeah, we'll get a van. And we didn't tell him what it was for ages. And then we sent them a picture of Custard and they were like, oh, wow, it's quite big, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, because I was like, right, I want to get a bus, but I don't want them to say no. So we're just going to buy it. And then what could they say? And then as the time got closer to us actually using the Euro tunnel, I was like, is she going to fit? Is it right? going to fit? Yeah. <laughs> like, imagine it doesn't. It? It'd just be a, waste. be a waste of time. But yeah, I think we've always loved the idea of van life, especially something bigger where you can have your home comforts go with you. Because I like to dress up a little bit and put on some nice clothes. Mm. But I always end up taking way too much. And Craig's like, it's not going to fit. So yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely one of the best things we've ever done. But yeah, she was such a massive project because she's such a big bus. So it started off as a 24-seater sort of Mm. school bus, I think. And yeah, we had to rip the whole thing out. And by the time Eurotelling had said yes, we had six weeks before we had to go. So we've got this minibus, which we need to make into a home in six weeks. It's incredible when you see, because I I was watching the clips back the other day because we were pulling some bits for a new video. And I'm like, yeah, we got nine days left. And it's literally just a it's wooden a shell. shell. Like, <laughs> wow. I'm just like, how did we even pull that together? But yeah, we had a lot of good friends who, who helped us out. And yeah, we, we kitted her out. We did Europe. It wasn't quite finished the best. It was loads of bits missing. Um, like like hot water, which we didn't need anyway, because we yeah. went in the summer. So that didn't really mm. matter. You know, a few bits in here, here and there we needed to sort. But And we hadn't touched the bodywork. So yeah, when we came home then, we just did all the stuff that needed doing like we had to replace most of the panels on the outside mm-hmm. add you know hot water gray tank and things like that and then we ended up wrapping the whole thing and that kind of rubbed a few people up the wrong way they're like it's custard the bus it's not custard anymore yellow <laughs> then it's not custard and i was like think of share like if she was going to change her hair she'd still be share she just yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk about the realities of it now because it's like we said it's an idea we've both thought of but the reality mm. of doing it is a different idea altogether and Craig you spoke about at the start how you like documenting the highs and the lows of your mm. lives and it's something you both do really well sharing the honest truth of what life in the bus is actually like so I wondered what are the best and worst things about living in a bus I guess the the best thing is you've got everything like you're doing it with me yeah yeah. Well, you were going to be my worst. Living in a bus with Amy. <laughs> the, the bit, yeah, the best thing is having everything that you need there. So, you know, you can just pull up somewhere and make a cup of tea, or if you need the toilet, you don't have to find somewhere to go. You can just go in the bus. Yeah, and just having that and, and a really comfortable bed every night. And it's yours. Do you know what I mean? You're not staying in mm. hotel having to pack up and move on you literally just drive somewhere new but you've saves, got all your bits saves money on accommodation as well yeah i'm not sure about worse though what would you say what, changing your... the toilet oh definitely mm. the i got Jeez. pink eye the first time i did it because it's <laughs> oh no i swear i swear yeah she actually did it so funny <laughs> it was the first time she did it as well <laughs> do you have any rules about that when it comes to like what you do on the bus and who has to do those jobs not really somehow i've been landed with it though I think this is like, uh, it's 2001, equal opportunities and all that jazz. 
2021. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, now we're pretty straight down the middle with everything like that. And if we have friends staying in the bus, we'll get offended if you don't do a number two in our toilet. So feel free, <laughs> feel free to do it. Like, And I imagine the freedom that it gives you. You spoke about it earlier, the idea that you can go wherever you want and you're essentially you're in your home at all times. So let's speak about some of the places that the bus has actually taken you. Where are some of the favorite places that you visited in the bus? And Custard, I should stop calling her the bus. Yeah, yeah, Custard. <laughs> she, well, we did the like a lot of Europe, didn't we? We sort of did like a big ring starting from, we did France. Where else do we do? France, Switzerland, Italy, Germany, Belgium, yeah, and the Netherlands. So we did a big loop and it was just, oh, it was great. Mm. But yeah, the door doing in France was incredible. Oh, um, place. I mean, yeah. sw- I mean, Switzerland was insane. It actually looks green screened. Yeah, we mad. don't love mm. how much things cost, but yeah, it's it's such a beautiful country. And then we were lucky enough in September when we finally kind of finished the bus, we took it up to Scotland. So we spent three months in the Highlands. Mm-hmm. It was mm. a bit of a grey area because it was like lockdown, but we we sort of left before the lockdown came in and it was all tier one up there. So everything was open, everything, campsites yeah. were open and everything like that. So we managed to, to get up there, but the Scottish Highlands were so incredible. Insane. I knew it would be good in Scotland, but it just blew me away. It was just this mm. endless thing to do. It's so stunning. The mountains are just humongous. and The wildlife as well. Yeah. Like we did the NC500. That was our main reason for going up there. Um, and then we just hung around for a bit and we did sort of, the King Gums National Park, and we met reindeers, and our drone got taken out by an eagle. And <laughs> no. just, yeah, yeah, we did some wild swimming in waterfalls, and like got in the sea in October and November, and yeah, it was just a, a wicked trip. Fabulous, it was. Sounds amazing, Alex. Just when you thought there was going to be a podcast that didn't mention <laughs> Scotland, <laughs> not yet. We have a regular yet. feature on this podcast. Oh yeah, <laughs> Scotland gets a lot of love. Yeah. Um, okay, so moving on to some more general travel questions. Favourite city and why? Bangkok, I think. I don't know. There's something about it. It's a real... People have got a love-hate relationship with it because it... It's it's mad. It's really crazy and it, it's dirty and, and loud and boiling. But, I mean, the Chatterjack market, you just can't go wrong. If you love a bit of shopping <laughs> like me, it's humongous. It's got like 1,500 like stalls and, and things. Like you can buy anything from like a puppy to like a bathtub there <laughs> everything you would possibly need yeah. yeah we just love we love that city don't we it's incredible because when we first traveled we spoke to you know a few people about thailand and they said whatever you do just get out of bangkok yeah they're like and- land and just mm. leave yeah so we were like oh shit bangkok must be rubbish then mm-hmm. but we spent we went back because we always like to sort of see it for ourselves but we did Songkran Festival in Bangkok, which was yes. incredible. Water festival, yeah. Yes. Where everyone just got water pistols. And it was like two, two, three days. You drive around in rickshaws and squirt people. Everyone's like, out on the street. There's no families. rules. There's, yeah. no, there's no, nothing's off limits. There's so much to do. There's like incredible rooftop bars. There's vegan cafes everywhere. everywhere yeah. You can get boats down the river. You know, you can do whatever you want there, basically. It's a mate, yeah. There's, there's a lot you can do and it's super cheap as well which is mm. great i did uh songkran in ta- in oh, bangkok cute. as well oh, class, mate. How good such a good experience I, I i we didn't it's quite funny because we were only there for a few days and we were kind of in the middle of other stuff so we were so tired and like just thinking about where we what we were going to do and where we we're going to go and we didn't realize that it was songkran oh really because <laughs> uh, we hadn't seen any of the pre you know the promotion yeah. of it beforehand we kind of just turned up 
and it, we found out by a truck driving past us and just dumping buckets of water on us. No. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, there's something going on there. And then yeah, it, it became apparent. And then we just, yeah, we, we completely embraced it, got some water pistols and had a great day. Amazing. Class, mate. Is there a city you've been to and in a similar vein to Iran and thought people need to know about this? This doesn't get enough press. Oh, that's a good question. I really rated Toronto. Mm. People don't really talk about mm. Toronto that much, but I loved it there. It was, you, yeah. yeah. Have a good time, yeah. It's wicked, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, it was loads of vegan foods, like we saw a basketball game. It's just a, a good-looking city. You can get boats out to the island and oh, see the skyline. Yeah, we're mm. terrible. Like, we'll go to loads of cities and we always go, oh, I could live here. Yeah. Love this. Yeah. We, we see it about everywhere. It's just it's so many different places, but... I definitely think like the Philippines, even just as a whole, deserves mm. so much more attention because the people there are incredible to you. Yeah, like sure. the hospitality is second to none. Um, and I'd like to put that on the map more yeah, than nice. people know. Also, going back to, you said cities, Manila is, is a similar oh, one. Oh, yeah, Manila. Where people mm. are like, Manila is dangerous and you need to just avoid Manila altogether. But we love Manila. There's, mm. like, there's kind of like two sections I've heard. There's like a bridge that sort of, divides um, the two yeah the, the sort of rich apart from the poorer part and i think if you're in the poorer part you've well we had friends go there and, and they felt like they were be, being like watched because they had like a big vlogging camera and stuff and mm. they didn't feel like great being there but you so, just you just got to be street smart i think we're yeah. quite good at gauging like where we should pull our camera out and where we shouldn't mm. uh, but yeah manila was great again oh, we loved it underrated they've got like massive malls and they're so proud of them as well. Yeah. Like we know friends that have gone to Manila, like done like a a mall tour and they just get millions of views. Like mm. the Philippines really love their own cult, uh, country and they, they'll watch their own videos, you know, mm. from their mm. uh, foreigners coming in and stuff, which I think is just cool. On that thread of thinking about places that you visited and you could live, is there anywhere else that you feel the same? Most places. <laughs> you, yeah. say, you say Bali a lot. Yeah, I know mm. it's like a cliche thing for like travel vloggers to say because everybody goes to bali but we literally went there on our first trip in 2014 before it became what it is now which mm. is just you know it is quite overrun but when we were there there's a place called the shortcut um and it was back then it was a shortcut you could cut through all these rice paddies and it was like this stunning route with like a few huts there and when we first went there was just like a, a rice farmer there who we chatted to and, and got photos with and stuff and he was just a super nice guy but you go back now and it's just like cafes everywhere and it's paved the shortcut is just mm. chock a block with cars and and, and uh, scooters but we we love it so much because we've met so many friends there and and well for me you can surf and the food's good and it's cheap and there's you can do trips up to the north and there's waterfalls it's stunning so i think yeah, it's just somewhere that always pulls us back. Mm. Uh, it's quite cliche, but I think it's for a reason. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Mm. Over the course of this conversation, we've talked about a few different cities and, and kind of more rural. Would you say you're rural or city people when it comes to travel? We're quite the opposite, aren't we? Yeah. Craig loves the beach. He loves anything outside of the city. And I'm like, ooh, city. Mm. I call Amy Count Dracula because like, she goes to the beach and she sits under an umbrella. She like hates the <laughs> So Amy's like city girls, like in the aircon in a shop. It's because I faint, see, going back to that. I'm not a great, I, I get travel sick, ironically. <laughs> it's my job to travel, which, yeah, it's not that great. But yeah, I think it all started when we were actually going to the Philippines and I fainted on a flight. So now I get anxiety when I fly 
So I, mm. I take these little pink pills and they do me wonders. Mm. But I still, I love being in the city and like seeing just di- different things like what they've got. Like in Bordeaux, they've got these mm. little electric scooters that you can just hire. You like tap your card and it pays yeah. for however long it takes you mm. wherever. And we loved that. And I was just like, whoa, this is insane. We actually... After that, we went on an e-bike wine tour and bought two scooters after because we were like, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> we take in the back of customers now to, to actually go into the cities whenever we get to campsites. In oh, amazing. Nice. Yeah, so it's cool. really cool. But yeah, you're definitely more, because Craig loves to surf and just be by the beach and the seas like a proper water baby in you. Yeah, I don't mind cities. I love cities. But yeah, for me, if I spent too long in one, I'd go a bit stir crazy. I think I'd much prefer mm. to just be by the ocean. Mm. And nice. We've spoken about so many different countries so far on the podcast. And I wondered if you had to give the king in it crown to a country and say it's your favorite country in the entire world, which country oh, would you choose? Man, that's such a tough question. I'm going to go Iceland. Oh, well, I'm straight in nice. there. Rogue. <laughs> Craig's just like, it's really tough. I didn't think about this. Bang, Iceland. No, I know. I know. We, we do get asked this question, like, mm. what's your favorite country? And it's super hard to answer because everywhere's so different. But I've got like a small piece of my heart is in Iceland just because of how insane it is and mm. how it just looks like you've landed on Mars when you get there. And, you know, it's got all these thermal pools and incredible glaciers and waterfalls and it's just got everything you need for like a brilliant holiday, mm. like a brilliant time away. And yeah, the the little um, hot pools you get, there's like an old outdoor swimming pool that's just been turned into a hot pool and it's heated by volcanoes and stuff. Like, go on, beat that. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> it is pretty good. Iceland is incredible. And we, we've had some of our best trips there. And again, going back to sort of when King and It started, properly mr b before the viral video who's he, mr b mr b owns uh, craig, craig does this a lot. I was story. <laughs> he owns cozy campers in iceland so when we were actually in new zealand before the viral video he found our thailand videos because he was going there and he said i loved you guys videos i'm thinking about starting this camper van company i love it if you came to iceland and filmed some videos i'll give you a camper i'll give you a petrol card and a food card and we were, we were thinking, this is spam. Like, this has and got to be a spam, spam email. Yeah. This is the first mm. email we ever had. And so when we got back from New Zealand, we said, oh, is this offer still open? And he was like, oh, yeah, 100%. He said, just book your flights, pay for your flights, and then I'll, I'll cover the rest. And then we landed there, and we were just like, what is going on? And he picked us up from the airport in his camper, and it was kitted out with a sink and diesel heater and a fridge and everything. And now, he, yeah. yeah, Mr. B's like a blonde Viking. Yeah. He's huge. He's like a big, friendly giant. <laughs> but he's so friendly. He's amazing. And we got him on our video, like the first Iceland video, and we sort of stuck the tripod down in front of the van, and we were like, have you got any advice for us? And he was like, just be happy and be free. And we were like, oh, my oh, God, we love you. Oh. <laughs> he's such a legend. So cute. <laughs> so, yeah, because of that, I think it's always, you know, he's invited us back like three times Yeah, it's, it's been very open to us because Iceland is not cheap. And I, and I we mm. probably wouldn't mm. have gone otherwise, would we? Yeah. But I will say, if you can, you know, if you can save that money up, it is 100% worth it. It'll yeah. be the trip of a lifetime. It's quality. Mm. And the cool thing about, uh, cozy campers as well is when mr b invited us he had like a couple of vans that he bought like second hand and he was doing them out mm-hmm. and he took our videos t- to like the bank to get a loan to say that this is what i do for my customers and then they ended up sort of giving him a loan and he bought like 10 brand new vans and just expanded the company and wow. just got bigger, and bigger from there and now he's like one of the, wow. the top 
yeah. two. Yeah, we, we've been we've been three times with Mr. B, and he's got fifty fifty six fans now. Yeah, I think it's so cool to see how much he's grown wow. since. Incredible. Um, but yeah, Iceland is unreal. Yeah. I saw an article the other day from Condonest Traveller which listed the top 10 happiest countries. And we've spoken about this before in the, and we mentioned Bhutan being the happiest country in the world. But I looked at it and it actually wasn't in there. But in there was six Scandinavian countries, which made really? me wonder why Scandinavia is such a happy place. And whilst we're on the topic, what do you think it is? See, now I would have completely said the opposite just because, you know, they don't get much sun. Mm. In the yeah, they don't get much sun during like the winters and stuff, and aren't they like half the half the year in darkness? Yeah, but then they get the opposite the other side, don't they? I don't know what it is actually, because yeah, I got a friend who lives in Norway, and he's from Barry originally, and he just said the winter is just so long and dark. Mm. It's quite it's quite strange because they actually have to they have vitamin D in their milk and stuff, don't they, to to keep wow keep going, but. I don't know what the key, the, the key is, but yeah, every every Scandinavian person we've met has been super happy. Haven't they got good governments and stuff? Yeah, I think yeah. it's that, isn't it? They just get looked after, don't they? Definitely, mm. yeah. It, yeah. And are they the one where you can't have one guinea pig without having two? You have to have two? Is that in Norway? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I've heard that. That's, that is that Norway, isn't it? I think it's Norway. It's a law. You, you can't own one guinea pig. You have to have two. Yeah. So they're just lovely people. Like, can they obviously <laughs> treat them? For well, yeah. So okay, just going back to Iceland. That that sounds obviously a very you're a very strong candidate for your favourite country based on your stories you've got there. But is there anywhere that comes close? You didn't actually answer, did no, you? No, I didn't. Well, when you were saying Scotland gets a lot of love, that I was going to be my answer. Like, it, oh, I don't know, it's because mm. we just had such a good trip there, and I discovered whiskey and we, oh, crazy we alcoholic <laughs> now, women <laughs> <laughs> and everything. But it just had so much for me that I loved. Do you know what I mean? You can surf there. You can do hikes. You, yeah, there's wild swimming. The people are so friendly in Scotland as well. The animals. The animals, yeah. And like the Outer Hebrides as well. There's so many islands mm-hmm. off of Scotland that you can explore. It's just it's just endless. So, mm. yeah, Scotland's definitely in my top five countries. I don't know if it, it's, a close, it's close to the top, though. <laughs> that is such a glowing review of mm. two places, by the way. Considering the amount of countries that you guys have been to, you know, real exotic tropical locations, and you go Iceland and Scotland yeah. as your two favourites. Mm. Yeah. That, that's amazing. It, it blows my mind that Craig said Scotland because he loves the, the sun. You, you love the sun, but Iceland's yeah. not, it's no biggie or no um, surprise for me because it's cold there. <laughs> I love the cold. <laughs> Maybe that's the thing is like whenever we're somewhere hot, somewhere hot Amy's, you know, either fainting or out. just having a bad time. So maybe that's it. It's the experience <laughs> I have with Amy in the colder places. She's a bit more alert. <laughs> nice. And we've spoken about food a few times so far on the podcast and it's a nice transition because I wanted to ask you, would you consider yourself foodies? Uh, I would. Yeah, I didn't think I was, but when you try incredible foods, you just like, well, this, this is what all the fuss is about, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say we are, yeah. yeah Craig eats everything. <laughs> like, if we had a house, he would eat us out of house and home. But, like, it's tough to keep this boy fed and, yeah. and not hungry. But, yeah, go on. What questions have you got about food? He's <laughs> like, she's perked up now, look. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we can go down many routes here. I mean, for, let's let's start with geographically. Where would you consider the best country for food? India. Mm. Okay. 100%. Thailand's a close second though. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because they're, yeah. Thai food is just 
beautiful anyway but yeah in Chiang Mai we we had we had so many good meals there like incredible food and it's stupidly cheap yeah Thai food and Indian food I think are definitely our favorites yeah yeah would you put that down to the the vegan diet as well they're kind of more accessible and different types of things you can have there definitely yeah I I I do think that because yeah we really struggle in certain countries um uh, like going back to Iran when we had the tour because as British people we couldn't go in without a tour so our, our tour guide Rashid he kind of took it upon himself to take us to the best kebab shops in Iran, you know, and there was four or five cars in our convoy, in our group, and every one of them was meat eaters. So they would obviously get priority um, and we'd be left eating um, rice with tomatoes on top, which, you know, after, after five days, you're like, oh, anything else? I was going to flip the table. I was really hungry. Yeah. He took us to um, this restaurant in, in Te- Tehran and he said, well, I'm going to take you to this place. It's like a, a, one of the original restaurants. It's, they do stunning food. And he was describing all these dishes to me and he told me they were vegan. So I was like, yes, I've been eating rice and tomatoes <laughs> for five days on the trot. And we got there and he went around the table and took everybody's orders. And then I said, oh, have they got that thing you said? And he was like, no rice and tomatoes and i was like oh my god rashad <laughs> oh, i'm so no. pissed off i'm like i'm so hungry so i ended up storming out of the, the restaurant trying to find something on the street because i just couldn't be around it <laughs> i want to go a bit deeper into food now you spoke about india thailand but let's talk about individual dishes from those countries so if you had to highlight a particular dish which you ate from those countries which would you choose so in india they do this thing called a tali, which is like a massive silver tray with all these little silver what's the word like little ramekins. ramekin bowls mm. of different types of food in there like different curries and different bean dishes and stuff so i couldn't actually name you any <laughs> but mm. it's that- just like party food like there's loads of different <laughs> stuff and that's a bit of me so yeah definitely tali's we went to one in yeah. mumbai yeah. what was it like 42 dishes or something it was absurd massive and and it's like a real food experience. experience the good thing about Italy is that you could technically say it as one meal but it's like so many different dishes but they mm. they come out the guy sits with you and tells you points to what dish to have with what so there's like different breads with different curries and mm-hmm. he's like try this with that and it's like at first we were like mate we're just trying to enjoy our food but by the end we were just like yeah why should we try one? it next and, and you get really into it that was super cool. <laughs> and the fun thing about that is like it's super cheap and it's like unlimited. You finish your ramekin and there's people that'll come. They've got like a like a satchel bag that goes across their body full of food. And then you just dip like get a big ladle and like just top you up on what you're missing. It's incredible. Very good for Craig because yeah. <laughs> they definitely you got your money's worth oh, I definitely anyway. Got my money's worth, yeah. <laughs> um but and then Thailand, I think. I know it's just it's the most obvious one, but pad thais. They're just so pad thai. What's a pad thai? It's like a, a noodle dish with like lime and peanuts um, and soy and all kinds of stuff. They, they, there's different like ways of making it, but mm-hmm. some of the best pad thais I've ever had in my life in, in Thailand. But but you know, with these two countries, you do risk your life by eating there. <laughs> we did. Um, mm-hmm. There may have been a, an incident where I had to be carried down the stairs in a bin bag to be put in the back of an ambulance. <laughs> you, want, you want a dumb story, Craig? I need some context here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is what it is. <laughs> so in India, we're actually putting together a documentary because so many things happened that we kind of were too ill to film or we just, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that need to be told that weren't. We did a podcast actually on, on India because mm-hmm. 
I kept mm. a diary of all the stuff that happened, but I got extremely ill so many times. And then as soon as Amy got ill, she managed to dodge like, what do they call it? Deli belly. Yeah. She mm. didn't get deli belly for like mm. the first five weeks, I think. And then, anyway, we got to this place and she'd had some bad food. It was actually in like a four-star hotel. We'd yeah. Eaten the night before. Very surprising. Yeah. And it, you'd that quite a Western dish as well. It was like, you had like spaghetti bolognese. It's always the way. Isn't it? yeah. It's always it is. the way. Yeah. Wasn't it like spag bol or was it, did you have an Indian dish? It was a curry. It was a curry. It was, was a oh, curry. Okay. I think yeah. I had the spag bol. No, you were all right. <laughs> yeah. So, so the, the next day she was like, oh, I feel a bit rough. And then start sort of, she goes to the toilet and this like, you know, both ends. And then Amy does, when she gets ill, she panics. I get anxious. She yeah. gets anxiety. Uh, um, and so she started hyperventilating and her hands started curling up. Like the exorcist, you know? I go really hmm. weird. I'm a strange person. <laughs> so I was like trying to calm it down. I was like, I get in the shower. I get in the shower. <laughs> I tried to calm it down, but she, she was just too far gone. So I went downstairs to grab um, the guy from the reception. And then we had to end up, we ended up getting the guy from next door as well from the hotel. We went upstairs to get Amy. This is after to, like, we called an ambulance. Yeah, we called an ambulance. I had to put clothes on her. And then the guy shows up in the ambulance. You know, you're thinking paramedics going to come. You know, there'd be a couple of them. There was one be professional. They'll, one they'll guy take care of the situation. One guy in a pair of flip flops <laughs> and short. It comes up the stairs like no equipment. It's just he's just a, basically just a driver. Didn't he have like a little like white like nurse top on though? No, he had like a polo shirt. Oh like, right. The, <laughs> Thing that stitched on it it was so bizarre <laughs> okay so anyway we all three of us get amy on this like stretcher which is basically like a bin bag there's like candles on it and we're like carrying amy down the stairs she's like hitting her head on the walls and like, <laughs> we get her in this ambulance and it, it looks like they've had a house party in the ambulance the night before it's like covered in dust there's like cracked windows there's stuff everywhere i'm like what wow. is going on and they, and there's i'm like she's she's too hot she's like sweating she's too hot so he reaches up to the corner and there's a fan about that big and he just pulls a little string on it and it's just like... <laughs> I'm like, that is not going to cool it down. So I start swinging this like crusty rag that I find on the floor, like swinging it round trying to cool Amy down. And anyway, yeah, we get her to the hospital and she goes on a drip and she survives. And I was absolutely fine. <laughs> yep. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, that, that is the side of food that's quite terrifying, isn't it? About, yeah. yeah you do kind of roll the dice in roll some places. Dice, so, yeah, that's what we say we every say. day. Like, yeah. Should we roll the dice? Yeah, let's do it. But, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, you get some of the best food experiences from the street vendors in Thailand and oh, India, yeah. and it's just like, it smells so good. Mm. And nine out of 10 times, you're fine, you know? It's just like, mm. if there's rats on the floor, maybe give it a miss. If there's rats in the floor, <laughs> it must be good because they keep coming back. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> So what about for, what about drink then? Is there any particular fond memories you have of a place for really good drinks? Or I guess Scotland with whiskey, as you're saying, Craig. Oh, whiskey, mate. If you, yeah, if you love so your whiskey, How long do you need this podcast to be? Don't get us started on it. Yeah, it's a great tipple. You know, I, I have a few whiskeys. Oh, yeah. yeah, whiskey, yeah, for me, it was a game changer in Scotland. I loved it. But yeah, I could talk about that all day. But what about you? drinks well i'm not much of a drinker um the last time i drank well it was probably one of craig's cousin's weddings and again mm. the ambulance was out the next morning so <laughs> i tend not to do that she's not joking either fair <laughs> enough fair enough <laughs> hangover of the century <laughs> uh, so we want to move on now and ask a question which usually evokes a deep response and it's the holiday that means the most to you so it can be for whatever reason that comes to mind uh, so I think probably our first time away together, 
is probably the one that means the most. Yeah, for sure. As I was going through um, treatment for cancer, uh, I ended up getting admitted into hospital with pneumonia. And through that time that I was in there, like I wasn't able to talk to Craig too much and he'd have contact with my family and everything. And But when I was out um, and just in like one of the wards, we used to just write these incredible, like incredibly long just emails to each other because we couldn't, mm didn't always talk to each other it was really expensive to get like a phone card and stuff from Australia which is where Craig was and we just yeah we just write these love notes and stuff mm. together and finally you know we made the decision that whenever I was whenever I was given the all clear that I'd go out and meet him wherever he was in the world um, which happened to be Australia so I'm not sure how I got travel insurance <laughs> and I don't even know how my mum let me go but I got a fly out with one of our mutual friends to Australia and we did the east coast for four weeks together wow. we basically had matching haircuts because my hair was so <laughs> short and yeah we just because we, you know we met like and then a week later Craig left for his trip so mm. We've been talking and, you know, writing, writing emails to each other, but we really got to know each other, I suppose, when, when we met on that trip and, mm. and traveled together. And it, not many people get like, their first three weeks together, you know, traveling Australia on the East Coast. So it was like, it was, it was so cool to sort of start out like that, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, it was just a great trip. We saw so many cool things and yeah, snakes and spiders and yeah, it was just brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, it was fab. I think that's... That's definitely one that will stick with us and we won't forget it. Even though like most of the footage we've got from that is on like a super old underwater camera that's really mm. blurry and didn't take mm. the best pictures. But yeah, definitely memories to keep. Mm-hmm. It's such a nice story. I mean, the yeah. way it all started for you guys is just really, really nice and inspiring to hear. Yeah. Okay, so there's good fond memories of travel, but there's also, you know, we have ones that we look back and go, mm. I'm not going there again. Where is a place that you would never go back to? I think we can only think of sort of one, but I would go back just to give it another chance. Yeah. I don't think we ever would cross anything off. Yeah, well, the, yeah. so there's, well, there's two actually. I just thought of another one. Okay. So the first one is uh, Sianukville, I think that's how mm. you say it. Oh, wow. yeah have you guys been there it's actually mm, the not. podcast that's coming out next week is a story from it that's the uh the worst hotel experience alex ah. yeah. really oh mate it is it's just it's a, shady it's a really seedy i'm sure there's nice parts of it it just was a bit like i don't think we'd want to go out in the night time and, and walk around and really explore the place it was just like all right well we'll just mm. stay and wait until we're moving on to the next place uh, and the other one I thought of was um, Ulaanbaatar. So oh we, god, yeah, we uh, Mongolia on the on the rally <laughs> we got to Ulaanbaatar in Mongolia, and we'd heard about it. It's actually a Vice documentary on on this street. Um, what was the this the name of the street again? Can you remember? No. But the, so it's like notorious for being one of the the most worst, dangerous yeah, streets. most dangerous streets, the the most likely place to get into a fight. So we're like, oh well, let's give it a test. Let's you know, we have to go and have a look. <laughs> so we went out the whole whole squad went out for so, drinks of all things so yeah there's probably like 10 boys and three girls yeah so it's a big group of us and um so yeah that literally like within five minutes of walking down this main street i wish i knew the name of it but it's the main one where all the clubs are we were walking down these guys two guys tops off literally just swinging haymakers at each other just literally fist fighting in the street and all of us are just staring at the concrete on the floor just walking <laughs> and will caught the eye of one of them and he's like he's like what the fuck are you looking at and we're like oh my god just keep walking so anyway we like dive into this pub and it looks quite nice it looks like a weather spoons you know it's like kitted out we get a bunch of drinks and they mm. do like big beer things and um we're like 
doing toasts and speeches and stuff because one of the, will was actually leaving us so he did like a leaving speech and yeah whatnot. it was like a rolling theme on it we would always do speeches <laughs> yeah. like if we were out for dinner or lunch or something. <laughs> and so anyway we're like getting a, a bit rowdy but it's all fun we're not being you know we're not moving around we're just all sat down and uh this old there's like two old guys sat on the table and one of the old guys turns to rob and he's like shut the fuck up and we're like, oh my god, he's like a little old man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it just like got progressively worse. Like we just saw all these things happening. One of our friends in the club, Sam, he was chatting to this guy, and then he didn't grip. He got gripped up about five times by different guys. We had to try and break up fights. And then the one guy who gripped him up, his mate took him away, and then he came back with a broken nose and there was blood all over his face. It was just one thing after another. It was mental. Real crazy. And then in the evening, one night, we, we were back at the hotel. And we heard all this noise outside, do you remember? Mm. And and we looked out the window and there's a couple and there's a guy, like his face is covered in blood and his girlfriend just battered him and they were having like a big domestic. And then he got on his knees. It was like watching a film. He was like on his knees, like pleading with this girl and then the next thing they were like hugging and kissing and then walked off hand in hand we were like what is going on in this place mad <laughs> so yeah Ulan Batar like I would go back but I, I would definitely never go out in the night again there not not to that street mm. anyway. is it just a nighttime thing like, in the, is it is, is it as rough in the day I, I wouldn't say so but like after doing a bit more research like I think Mongolians brought up on fighting it's like a thing mm. Mm. Um, so I think everybody's got that little fighter streak in them, but I mean, it's it's a beautiful place. Is that we did not expect there to be skyscrapers and beautiful mm. tall buildings and stuff, and we were like, "Whoa, this is Mongolia!" It was it was incredible. Was that where we went to the car boot sale as well? Yeah, we went to a car boot sale. I yeah, always seem always to, quite nice. I always seem to find a car boot sale in any country <laughs> we go to, but we went to one in Mongolia. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's only the night time I think because yeah, there was no problems in the day, was there? No, we actually got a mad story from the rally that somebody told us um so there was a guy who was like riding his bike through mongolia and uh, he got to a point where he was like super dehydrated and out of food and he was like on his last legs and these guys came past on horses and saw him and it was like you know invited him back to their house yeah, yurt. yeah like a yurt in the middle of nowhere mm. so they take him back like feed him up give him some water and stuff and he like takes a few photos with them and then a few days later, he's like biking along again uh, and he meets this woman uh, who's, who invites him in for food in another yurt and, and he's like chatting to her, you know, in broken English and whatnot. And he's he's saying like, oh, you know, explaining this story about how he was like almost going to die, but these guys saved him. And then he showed the photo to the woman of these two guys and she was like, <gasps> like proper shocked. And he was like, what, what? And he, she was like, they're like the local murderers. Like they've killed people. What? So this guy was like staying in a year with these two guys who were like wanted for killing people. Absolutely mental. Crazy. <laughs> How crazy is that? That's that mad. is crazy. Because you're such adventurous people. I wondered, a lot of people consider like scratch maps and try and tick off a country and say, I've done that country now. I'll never go back there. I want to go to the next one and try and complete as many as possible. Is that yeah. the outlook you have or are you happy to revisit places to kind of learn more things and uncover things that you didn't visit on the first time? Oh, yeah, definitely. We'll definitely go back to Cambodia at some point just to mm. see the good the good side, you know, and mm. for it to change our minds on things. And But yeah, but at the same time, there's so, like you said, there's so many places that we want to see. So it would be so hard to justify like going back to somewhere when you can go to somewhere brand new. Mm. And I think we're always trying to look for 
to go back and, and well, to go somewhere that we've never been before. Like we've yeah. never been to South America. So yeah. we're, we're mm-hmm. dying to go over there and explore, you know, what's on offer over there as well. Uh, Pakistan's really high on our list and, mm. um, you know, like the Himalayas and all like Afghanistan. I would love to go there and Nepal see. Nepal and Bangladesh. There's so many places mm. we haven't been there. Yeah. Dif- different places that you wouldn't necessarily think of going hmm. deep into russia somewhere i'd yeah. love to go and stay with like a russian family and even if they didn't speak english it would be such an experience yeah, be class. i think i'd love, love that kind of stuff but yeah anything adventury or challenging would be great awesome that that leads perfectly onto the onto our final question uh which is i guess you've talked about some dream destinations there but what travel plans you have kind of running coming up or things that you know you're going to be doing soon well, I think for now, we're going to take the bus around Wales because we're allowed to travel through Wales, but we've, mm. we've got a couple more weeks to wait because we're going to do it with some friends. And then we might continue what we were supposed to do because we had a boat booked to Ireland after Scotland, but obviously the full lockdown came in. With custard. So mm. take custard to Ireland and maybe explore Ireland. We'll probably spend the rest of this year, if we can, traveling in the bus like through Europe and, and if it hopefully opens, yeah. get down to Morocco maybe. But what we're itching to do is a, another challenge so we can make mm. those, you know, those series that we love to make that people watch and they're like, what's going to happen next? You know, where are they going to end up? Yeah. So yeah, we've got a few ideas in the pipeline. Nothing is set in stone yet, but we want it to be like, potentially a world record as well mm. yeah. anything you can nice. share or, or under wraps for now well there's nothing to share we, we've got we've got we've some got ideas. ideas but there's nothing we wouldn't want to say because it'll probably change tomorrow yeah <laughs> set in stone then but we will let wraps. you guys know as soon as we know what yeah. we're gonna do awesome craig amy it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for giving us so much of your time coming onto the podcast the stories have been unrivaled i would say amazing <laughs> <laughs> thank you very thanks much for, for having, having us guys. guys it's been a pleasure so there we go. That was episode 25 with Craig and Amy from King In It. And it was an absolutely brilliant one. And I'm sure as long as we're going to have so many more listeners, some of their fans who've come across to hear their stories another time. So we want to make sure that these new listeners do all the things we need them to do. So do you want to lead us off? What do they need to do for us? First of all, we need them to rate the episode. Mm. Then they can comment on it. They can talk about what they thought about it. Maybe share some stories from their own experiences of the places that, you know, um, Craig and Amy talked about. Yeah. But also, if they turn their notifications on, and they subscribe to the podcast, they won't even have to check. They'll get a notification when we upload a new episode. There we go. Yeah, honestly, that is so important because sometimes an episode comes out and you weren't there there and then to listen to it at that time. So if you turn your notifications on, you'll be notified every single Monday when there's a new episode and you can come and listen. We've got some amazing guests in the pipeline as well. So I'm sure you're going to love it. Talking of exciting guests coming up, who have we got on next week? So next week, we've actually got another female boxer. We had Hannah Rankin on a few weeks back where she spoke about meeting the Dalai Lama. And next week, we've got Savannah Marshall on, the current WBO boxing champion in her weight division. And she tells a brilliant story about a time she went to Kazakhstan for a boxing camp and stayed in essentially a prison. It's so, so good. And I can't wait for people to hear it. So make sure to subscribe to the podcast. And next week, that episode will land in your inbox. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special moms in your life. In what better way than with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited-edition sets, perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their Golden Glow Body Set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for silky, smooth, glowing skin, while the Glow and Go Facial Set has everything she needs to achieve spa-level results at home. They're so beautiful, you can skip the wrapping. For a limited time, you can save up to $48 on Osea's sets, plus get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. Pamper the moms in your life and get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu dot com code mom.